And welcome back, everyone, to a, well, delayed episode, a couple times delayed episode of the MRNA podcast. What's up, Trevor, in chat? And you guys can join us in chat, too, if you're watching these live Tuesday nights generally on twitch.tv slash universe. Thank you for the host, Acumen Batman, Wrestling. and you can host just like that. So again, welcome, everyone. Welcome, Justin, a.k.a. Staple Gun. Back to the Music Review Nerd Acumen Podcast. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good, man. So I mentioned this one was delayed a couple times. Uh, how long have we been planning this episode? Two months. Has it really been two months? Yeah, probably. Okay, because I know... We, yeah, you know what? You're right, because we talked about this before I went to Mexico. We trying to line something up with doing this in person. Uh, we got together and got to catch up in person, which was awesome. And we realized with my two kids and your two kids <laughs> that it just was not possible no. to calmly, if you will, record a podcast for what could be our longest episode. Um, it just didn't work out. And that's okay. So this one kind of got to simmer for a little bit. We hadn't done any reviews in a while for music albums. We've been sitting on this one. And it's a longer album. It's a deluxe edition of an album they released in 2020. So it's called Heartwork. It released early, what, early 2020? Originally? Yeah, April. April 2020. And then September, because it had just come out, which is why we were going to try to ride the wave of, you know, the release yeah. of it. Um but it didn't work out, and that's okay. But it got to simmer. There were twenty, what twenty seven total tracks on this. Yeah, quite quite a bit, man. I mean, for some bands, and uh, thank you for the host, Dingus. Uh, for some bands, that's uh, three albums worth of material, especially for some of the bands we reviewed. Because one of our critiques on former uh, reviews was they were short albums. Right, Offspring, Weezer, those are shorter ones. Right, so this is. Could be three full okay. albums of content. Yeah. So, um, but this is the deluxe edition. There's 11, what, 11 bonus tracks that were not on the original album release? I think so. I'm trying to think. And I apologize if I sound a little stuffy. Gotta love winter and gotta love kids in school. They bring home all the disease. 11 tracks, yeah. So yeah, 11 bonus tracks. This, correct me if I'm wrong, this is an important band to both of us. There's a a few bands that we've met in the middle on and kind of saw the same path or agreed for the most part on or have common, you know, likes or interests and styles. This band kind of blends the best of both worlds for both of us of the styles that we both enjoy into an amalgam amalgamation. Can I say that word? Right. Amalgamation in one band. Um, and I get to further clarifying, defining what they are and what they do and have done in my, my final review. Um, but as always, we like to open up with a little bit of history on what the band is for us, what it's meant to us over the years. And then we segue into the actual album history. And then we give our predictions on each other's scores. And uh, hola, Emma, what's going on? Thanks for chatting in. You're going to be lurking. Thank you for the lurk. Much appreciative. 
Uh, if you guys ever want to check out these episodes later on, too, they're always in our archives and they're on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow and a sub there. It's free and it helps us out for exposure. Uh, it helps us out for plays, too. So check us out on there if you ever miss an episode. Um, but let's kick off things here with the history of the band. I did a lot of talking already, so I know you do your extensive work. We were talking about it right before we went on the air about the albums themselves. But what do you what do you have for us tonight? Sure. I mean, as far as history, like I didn't want to go too much into the weeds of it because this is already a longer album review. <laughs> um, but they've put out eight studio albums. Um, definitely hit it off with "In Love and Death." Um, but even prior to that, um, it takes the ink and couple other songs that had made the radio but not quite uh, broken through because mainly at that time they were uh, a harder you know punk rock emo band um, and then they got a little poppier in Love and Death got some big hits off of there and then uh, right after that um, I feel like they really wrote, tried riding the radio friendly wave um, and then uh, from there on they've you know, put out a few other albums that um, those were definitely the the first three were the three that I have played the most, and then the last few um, they got a little a uh, bit more political with uh, one or two of them, and then kind of so their sound has evolved over the years, and uh, now leading up to this one, um, and then that they put out last year, and uh, and then for twenty twenty one they put out the deluxe which you know, honestly could have almost been another album. It really could have. And they've done that in the past. They've had B-side albums. They've at least released two or three up to this point. Uh, Even the Canyon, I think was a B-side album had like five or six tracks on it. So it's not something that they're uh, shy of doing. Um, (laughs) And even around the the first couple albums, they had a B-side around Lies for Liars. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that album, but they, they definitely had it. And yes, I agree. They've evolved over the years. It helps that they've had a change in members as well, which influenced different <laughs> styling. Um, but it's important to evolve, right? Evolve or die is is a common phrase. Uh, but the, yeah, they did start out as the quintessential Vans Warped Tour post-hardcore band. Yes. You know, 2002, that was the sound. That was the style. But I think they broke through the mode with those radio hits. I think... Yeah. They got motivated because they made some money, right? And I think yeah. they still conveyed their sound, message, and style. They never lost that. While they've evolved, you can always still tell they are the used. Yes. They've never sold out, if you will, compared to you know fans who will say that of their favorite band if they get big. Uh, Green Day is the great example. Their hardcore fan base in the early days when Dookie came out, they sold out. No, they bought in. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, my history to basically summarize it, it would be an episode in itself. As we talked, there's a lot of history. I've enjoyed every single album. That is not a lie. I've enjoyed every single album by them. Uh, have there been tracks I've disliked? Of course, there's been songs I haven't loved, but I've enjoyed mm-hmm. every single album. Uh, so next year, 2022 will be 20 years. I've been listening to this band and that in itself, I, I have to say is an accomplishment to like a band consistently for 20 years they're doing something right so they've they've appealed to all the things that i like in music and they continue to surprise me with things too and i enjoy them for that um i also note in here that i had the opportunity to see him live a couple nights in a row for an anniversary show for those first two albums you mentioned and 
that was incredible. It was an intimate setting, probably 1500 people tops. And, uh, it's one of those things, those two albums meant so much to my formative years. And, uh, I'm glad it was a 15th anniversary. I think it was what it was. Uh, yeah. I'm glad I got oh. to see it. So, um, yeah, again, overall fantastic band that still today, this was not a chore. This was not a task. This was fun to sit down and review and kind of fully analyze instead of just listening to for enjoyment. So, yeah, I mean, for me, history wise, this is a band that, you know, same I've listened to for 20 years or so. It's pretty crazy to say. Um, and even though they were a warped to a regular, it seems as though they were never on the Chicago or the Detroit dates. No, which so doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a band that I constantly missed and always wanted to see. Um, and you had that two night experience. I, I got to the chance to see him at riot fest. And that was about five years ago, four or five years ago. Okay. And I mean, just an incredible live band and really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, from there, like you said, with the albums that they've put out, there hasn't been there hasn't been one where I went, uh, you know, kind of losing me. But um, I mean, there have been some where I liked a couple tracks, and there are some where I go, "Wow, I really like this whole album." Um, so it's been it's been a mix for me. Um, but again, not anything where you know, like you might have a favorite band and they put out an album and you just go, "Can we just forget that they put that out there?" Yeah. Because yeah, you know we. Uh, at, like you said, Green Day to mention. I mean, there's there are whole albums that I could completely forget and just go, uh, can we just overlook that and just move past it? Um, but I feel like the used has always, even though their sound has changed, always put out consistently good songs. It's funny that we both reference Green Day as well, because I hold Green Day as one of my favorite bands of all time. I hold them in such a high standard, but I think it's because of the early days of their music, not to mention mm-hmm. their live show experience. So I hold them on such a different pedestal that I would yeah. use. And I don't think that's fair because the users consistently put out good music, whereas Green Day has been kind of, especially in the last 15 years, hit or miss, yeah. to be honest. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's well, mainstream pressure or what it is, Um Clearly, the use doesn't care. They're just pouring out their heart and souls. They're displaying their heart work, if you will. Uh-huh. So. Um, <laughs> moving past that. So, um, yeah, like, you bring up Green Day. So, like, one of the bands we reviewed, Offspring, right? Like, I hated Splinter when it came out. Just, I was like, what are they doing with their sound? This is not Americana. This is, you know, not anything that I've liked leading up to this. And there are bands that take that you know, that step and you, and it just totally ruins their fan base or totally divides their fan base. I don't feel like the used has put out an album like that where they, where the fans just go, what is this? Because it's not like they're cranking out albums all the time either. I mean, 2017 was the last one and now 2020. So I feel like three, four years between albums. Yeah. So it's a healthy, healthy gap. They give time to let things kind of, simmer for a little bit they get time to really focus on the new ideas and not rush a product uh the only one and i referenced the canyon before that's just more so like an ep instead of a full album release uh that was the closest thing to an experimental album by them and that was the only one that was like all right this is okay i get what you're doing uh i enjoy it for what it is uh it's not what i frequent but i didn't hate it 
Uh, and it's not one that's like, it's because it, what it is, it's not divisive. Uh, it's not going to like alienate a fan base. So yeah, they, they play, yeah. I don't know if they play it safe or this is just what they are and what they do. Like some bands, yeah. it's just their style and sound and that's fine. Uh, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Uh, so I have a little bit of notes here on the album history. So again, Heartwork Deluxe Edition, 11 bonus tracks. Uh, so in mid-2019, the U's signed to their longtime friend and producer, John Feldman's record label, Big Noise. They started recording the album in June of 2019, took a break to headline the Disrupt Festival Tour, and finished recording the album in November of 2019. A music video for the single Blow Me was released in December of 2019, Paradise Lost, a poem by John Milton in February, and Cathedral Bell in April. Uh, this is the first album to feature Joey Bradford on guitar, which, shout out, he actually liked our photo promoting tonight's show on Instagram. So, probably not listening, but hey, <laughs> even the like alone made my day. So shout out and thank you. I know you're the new guitarist, not enough history, but still, you're playing for the use. Like, how cool. Super right. cool. So again, Bradford, thank you. Shout out. Check them out. Instagram, Twitter. Give them some love. Um, so after Justin left and not this Justin, you weren't in the use, sadly. You should have been. You played guitar for a hot minute. Uh, they, they left in 2018. Um, there's a story behind that, too. I won't get into that. But um, yeah, if you, it's out there if you want to look it up. Uh, the band recorded 27 songs during the Heartwork sessions and plan on releasing another album later in 2020 that will include the remaining songs. And then, obviously, that led to the remaining songs. Here we are with all 27 now. Uh, and the deluxe edition was eventually published September 10th, 2021. So we're a few months behind on reviewing this. We apologize for those anticipating this one. We are here now, and we're happy to be reviewing it. Um, predictions. It's out of a 10. Whole numbers yep. only. No partials. We haven't done a partial yet, have we? No. Yeah. I feel like we could, but we haven't. We could if we really want to fight for it. I'll I'll, I'll prove a partial. Apps. Yeah. So let's let's do whole numbers only. Um, do you want to predict first or shall I predict yours out of 10? Go ahead. So knowing your history our history with this band, I would say you would give this one based on your style and interests. I keep leaning towards an eight, but I want to say nine. Okay. For you based on, um, so based on the, uh, the tracks, the variety and what I know you like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go bold. And I'm, I'm going to say you're going 10. Dang! Would that be the first 10 on the show? I think that would be... I'm trying to think if I did 10 for... Which wasn't an album, but uh, Bo Burnham. Did you do but, 10 for that? I don't remember now. We should write this stuff down. <laughs> right? <laughs> go check out that but, episode. No, I think you're, you're going to go... I think you're going to go 10. Okay. That's my guess. So a perfect album, a 10. That's a bold statement. We'll find out I, if that's accurate. Um, we will. I do want to say a thing, too, before we start to jump into the album. Um, regarding the live performances, the one thing I noticed, he had some sort of liquid 
that he was drinking, whether it was honey or something, to coat his throat during his performances. The man has lost his screaming voice, sadly. Um, but as we get into this album, they found a way where he can still do it, but also have guest artists on the album. Yes. That fill in those blanks to keep that sound and style. And we'll get to that when we go to the track by track. Um, we're going to alternate in our turns through all 27 tracks here. We're going to try to keep it to a minimum unless uh, a deeper conversation requires it. Uh, so we don't bore you to death, but uh, we do want to emphasize or focus on the things and emphasize on the important stuff. So uh, do you want to kick us off or shall I? Uh, I'll start us off. Let's go. All right. So first we got Paradise Lost. Uh, it's two minutes and 57 seconds. Uh, it is a poem by John Milton. Um, so, but they turned it into a song. And I mean, it's an excellent way to kick off the album. Um, very heavy, very like coming at you. Um, and, you know, I keep wanting to say lyrically, but I mean, it, it, it's a poem. So um, <laughs> the writer of the poem um I feel like what he was writing about was captured in the song very well. Um, and, I, and I feel like it relates to the used um, also very well with their lyrical content, just from previous albums and kind of a recurring, recurring theme throughout this album. Um, talks, talks about being shaken by the past, struggling to make connections for basically uh, overall like fear of poisoning the other person or making them like themselves. Um, so this, I mean, was a great way to kick off the album. And I would say it's one of my top three tracks on the album for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree a hundred percent. Good energy starts you off. You're right back into what you're familiar with. If you like, and have listened to the use before. Uh, so yeah, the notes here, I added the same thing. It's a poem by John Milton, uh, heavy intro, a build into one with a slight distortion on guitar. It drops back into clean. So again, the stylings where it drops out in the sing-along verses, um, stuff you just want to groove to is present here. Uh, the chorus is traditional heavy sing-along with Burt, and it's, a, again, fantastic way to open the album. Um, so I did find some information on this, too. Uh, this was quoted from Burt McCracken, which is his name, Robert Gumbert. Um, and he shared this on social media. He says, in quote, I've always been a bit obsessed with paradise lost i really dug deep into the poem and its author john milton as i was reading a lot of his political essays i realized that a lot of what satan says in paradise lost are quotes directly from john milton's own mouth a lot of people thought he was the devil back then he had a huge problem with the show of opulence 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 i don't know how you say the word from the church he thought it was disgusting uh, his poem is about the failed revolution against the Church of England, which is Satan's failed revolution on Earth. And what's more incredible or exciting than a failed revolution, end quote. Hmm. So I, I found, uh, for, just to give you a heads up too, I did find quotes through some of these tracks to, to give you some insight. Um, but yeah, I found that fascinating. Again, great way to get the energy going and hype for the album. Good, good intro. Really good intro. Yeah. Yes. Uh, second track was the first single called Blow Me. Comes in at 320, and it's not what you think. So immediately you're like, oh, okay, how you doing? No. No. My first two words. Love again. Because immediately, this is, just, this is awesome. Two tracks yes. in, and I'm already enjoying the hell out of this album. 
Fast-paced, heavy in nature of the style. Love it. Um, we got a goal. Thank you for the goal, Kira. This is a long redemption sound. It's, of course, of Cody scoring the goal. She says, so worth the 50000 for redeeming it. It is an expensive redeem, but it's also one of our longest redeems. I think it's like 26 seconds. So you get your you get your credits worth. Uh, so, so again, I love the fast paced, heavy nature of the style of this. It continues with this track for a band that has adapted uh, some of their style to appeal, as we talked about already, the top forty charts. That mm -hmm. is not present here for the most part. Nope. Um, especially with like pop punk, uh, this is a great return to form for. I shouldn't say return to form. I wrote that in my notes. They didn't really leave form. No. But like. As far as like single play, return to roots, right? Return to roots as far as like single play too. They're not trying to pump the the, which is funny too because pop punk is making a comeback right now. Um, yeah, but they weren't. We'll get to that, I'm sure, in another episode. I can't, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so again, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the guest artist on this one, who is Jason Butler from Fever Three Three Three. Are you familiar with that band? I have seen them live twice. So you are. Are they good live? <laughs> they are, yeah. I, when I first heard them, I mean, it was, you know, very Rage Against the Machine sounding. And uh, I even have a, a little uh, knapsack bag that has Fever 333 logo on it that I got from Riot Fest a couple of years ago. So, yeah, great, great live band. High awesome. energy, for sure. That's good. Yeah, because, I mean, their albums are fantastic. I'm a fan of that band, too. Another political Extremely band. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, uh, they had a single a few years back. I don't know if you've seen the music video accompanying the single "Made in America." Yeah, sweet video, but whole oh, they make some <sighs> statements. They oh, so, big time, and very it's, very it's, statement driven band. It, well, it's good representation too. So yes. especially for rock artists and people of color. So I thoroughly yep. enjoyed that too. So if yeah. if you're interested in learning more about them, check them out. They're a really good band. If you like political stuff. Um, so, yes, he is a guest on this one, and, man, he can scream, and he does so on this track. The breakdown at the end of this one especially, holy crap. Uh, it's almost cringeworthy and uncomfortable, the breakdown, just how slow it slows down and just how heavy it gets. Incredible. Uh, incredibly topical song, too, about gun violence, which uh, continues to be a problem. Go figure. Hmm not why we're here today but man yeah <sighs> that's my thoughts loved it great song great single yeah i mean you kind of nailed everything on that one <laughs> um no i mean great very thorough i mean uh, like you said kind of touches on gun control and uh again there it makes perfect sense that if you're gonna it's really i mean one of the really the only i guess you would say political statement track on the album yeah, um, I think so yeah yeah i mean i can't i can't we'll go through it later but and see if anything comes up but not that i can think of so i mean it makes perfect sense you bring in fever 333 and like you said as far as him trashing his vocal cords early on from all the screaming you know why not bring in somebody if if you've got the star power you've got i mean well get into it later with all the other people that he's brought into this album, mm -hmm. which are almost legends of their own. 
uh, or actually are legends of their own. Um, so to see him, I mean, Fever 333 is a band that's been around for a couple of years, but are definitely on the rise, at least yes. in that scene. Um, definitely not something you're going to hear on the radio every day because. No, I mean, Made in America is <laughs> really heavily played, but that's about it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed everything. It's a, another just banger right out the gate. You're just, you're into it. And, yeah, re- really great song. Curious says um, in chat here, a band I really enjoyed live, which are not very well known, is Late Night Savior. Have you ever heard of them? No. I have not. I'll have to take a note on that and check them out. I have not heard of them. Are they are they local then for you, Kira? Because we do have people around the world that chat in on this. So I believe uh fully assume then if if not, they're from UK then too. We'll find out. Um so yeah, keep us going. What was track three then? <clears throat> so track three was Big Wannabe. Um so three minutes, twenty nine seconds. Um again, this one it, it starts off basically, like I said, a factory-like metal clinking kind of sounds with heavy guitar effects um, right out the gate, just basically saying, you know, I want to be big. Um, can't help but flex my influence, was one of the uh, the lyrics in the song. Um, and, I mean, they've been a very influential band, so um, I do feel like they've been successful in wanting to be big. Um, <clears throat> so the, the breakdown of this song definitely goes into more of... Uh, kind of like a reggae type of beat, uh, which is very different for the use. So it was a, but it fits in the song really well. Um, so yeah, basically it's just a song that's kind of about grinding and perseverance and building up and kind of not letting anything get in your way. Just want to be big, want to, and they, they want to make it. And I feel like at this song, it's, at this point it's kind of redundant. I feel like they've, they've been big. Um, but I mean, it's good to to dream to be bigger and be more successful. And, you know, I think overall with this album, they've done that. <clears throat> so I agree to an extent. I think they've been big as far as radio play. They yeah. are not arena and, like, stadium tour rock big. Sad to say. Right. Um, but that's the genre, though. It is. And it's very rare that, I guess... I don't know. Certain genres don't appeal to the stadium rock. Like the ones that I always find it odd to me, Green Day was the odd one, but I think their their presence and styling somewhat adapted to that, especially during the American Idiot days. Yes. Uh, and I think that's what led to the stadium success for them. Um, there are bands like uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, like I still view them as just the band I saw at like uh, Intersection. Like a thousand, fifteen hundred people as an opening act. Um, They're selling out stadiums in Tokyo. They're selling out worldwide. Like, what? I don't know anyone. I shouldn't say anyone. I don't know hardly anyone that talks about that band. Yeah. So, So that's wild to me. But again, their style, I guess, fits. Like Muse, they're another stadium, you know, artist. Yeah. It must be the sound. Um, or the style, but yeah, post hardcore, you're not going to see a lot of these bands breaking through doing stadium rock tours. Uh, so in the regards of being big, is that what they want? You know, who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I I think they reached their apex around lies for liars and in love and death. Yeah. As far as like 
chart making it big. Yes. Um, because since then, the only time I see him in place is just small, like thousand people or less venues. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. sure they're not. I'm sure they would like the bigger paychecks, but right. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. So for, for big wannabe, um, this track slows things down, as you mentioned, while still remaining kind of heavy. And, uh, it's a heavy ballad, if that makes sense and how to describe it. Um, I do have a quote from an interview with Bert. It says big wannabe, I think is a really sardonic and sarcastic look at the world of influencing in general, which is very topical because technically that's what we're doing here, right? We're a reviewer, but we're influencers per se. We're not certified checkmark influencers. Um, but I think anyone who's on Twitch or Instagram or Twitter that's trying to put out content or original or feedback content, they're influencing. We're influencing you to listen to this album right now. We're influencers by nature. Um, so I think it really speaks to the soul of what humanity has lost with Instagram influencers. Uh, it's been going on for a long time. It's been elevated with Instagram and social media. They're platforms that make people feel jealous, but that feeling of jealousy can't be reciprocated on the other side. You can't feel someone feeling jealous. So it's just this weird, confusing conundrum. That's a horrible situation for humans to be stuck in, but it's also kind of a light message about pushing yourself. As I just started working out with resistance training about a year ago, so in a roundabout joking kind of way, it's also how I want to become way larger than I'm capable of becoming. So that was his in an interview describing him wanting to be big. You know, it's a... Yeah, metaphorically and physically. Right. So um, we always, by nature, want to be what we aren't. We want what we can't have. You know, when we see something or someone with something, we want that something. And I think it's a that powerful tool like Instagram he's, he speaks on is influencing us to do things. I mean, we see it all the time. People selling makeup, people selling candles, people selling crafts, uh, anything. People like pyramid scheme people, you know, that's influencing and it's powerful. Music is influencing his words here. It influenced us to do a podcast tonight. It's just human nature. There are tiers and structures to all this. And this is what he's describing and, and i think there's good and bad in all of it but he spoke more eloquently than i ever could and it's why he's big and i want to be you're welcome yeah <laughs> all right um so what are we back to me back to you uh so track four 304 is the time on this one's called bloody nose what's up lana and chat so immediately with the guitar intro of this one, I am brought back to 2002. And I know it's not the original guitarist, but when you hear his style, and he, I'm sure, and of course he is playing their old music, you're going to kind of play in a certain way and use certain tones, right? It's that signature sound and style that's going to be used here. And it was used here. So immediately, time travel was 20 years ago, 2002 with this opening. Then it goes through mid-use with the filtered and processing sounds that we got familiar with around Lies for the Liars time frame. Especially with the drummer that they acquired around that time frame. They lost their original drummer around then. And uh, the style changed with the drumming especially. You'll notice there's there's filtered effects, the, the engineering and studio stuff that they started doing more. Probably came with the money and resources um, from what they had prior to, but you know, that happens. Uh, so even as they evolve and write new content, they still have that style, which we talked about in our opening, and it's definitely heard on this track. 
Uh, ultimately, it's a song about where we go when we fail and what we do with our mistakes is uh, what I grasp from this one. So, Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, starts off, like you said, very early the used. Starts off with a scream, very heavy drums, and even some kind of violin notes in the background. So like you said, as far as production goes, um, the things that they've added, like there are bands that get, you know, fancier productions and they put the stuff in the music and you go uh this is just so overproduced but in this case i think it fits very well um <clears throat> you know it says uh, i've been on the ropes funny that i feel so strong um again this one is uh, you know it seems like a song kind of about going hard and just kind of waiting for the crash just you know kind of wait for the bloody nose you know it's coming um you know eventually you're going to take that hit um but in the meantime this is just kind of that but for me, it feels like the the build up um, to that point, kind of almost like, you know, building up to want to be, you know, you want to be big. And then also you're going to take some kind of bumps and bruises along the way. But um, but yeah, really, again, really first four songs in. Uh, great start to the album. Yeah, definitely not to this point so far. Is it a 10 out of 10? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um. Then we got track five. You want to keep us going with that one? My tablet's yeah. freaking out. <clears throat> so track five, um, Wow, I Hate This Song, wow. um, 258, which is not true. <laughs> um, so yeah, every time, starting off lyrically, um, every time I hear the key, um, I see you in the melody. Um, kind of reminds me uh, of a song, you know, um, that would be on the In Love and Death album. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I feel like they kind of hit that, you know, right there and have a really, really catchy chorus. Um, and everyone can relate to a song that comes on the radio and kind of brings back painful memories and how you'd basically do anything to, to turn that song off. Um, and I feel like that's captured very well in this song. So it's, it's just funny to make a song called Wow, I Hate This Song. Um, you know, talking about something that you just want to stop hearing um not just because it annoys you or because it's overplayed but because of how you relate to that song um so i think again everyone can relate to that feeling and to have a song that tells you to turn off the track it's kind of a nice reminder yeah holy crap that this like you said it nails it um i absolutely love this song i could play this one over and over and over and and Lana does, it is catchy. Lana doesn't get why I liked the song, but for whatever reason, this one stuck with me. Um, there's specific lines that I'll get to in my feedback on it that I really thoroughly enjoyed. But uh, so, yes, it's a slow down melodic ballad, has all the heavy notes throughout it, though, especially the build of the chorus where it's um, uh, sing along, but yet just kind of nailing a heavy tone. Uh, Lana says everyone has that song. Anyone who says they don't is a liar. <laughs> Fact. Um, so the chorus exemplifies a chaotic breakdown of sorts with this lyrical content describing the point of the song. Hating the things you write or enjoy is, an, is interesting and relatable. Uh, the notable part of the song that just really sticks with me is his kind of mental breakdown of it all. The la 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 make it stop. Yeah. And then where yeah. it ends the la la holy fuck. Like he's just like I'm going nuts. Stop it. Right. La la la. Because you right. do that to block out sound. You cover your ears and la yeah. la la. I'm like, mm -hmm. 
that's amazing. Like I've never like the way he puts stuff is just incredible. Um, yeah, and it's so simple. Like when you think about it, like that is yeah. the, sim- the most simple lyrical content. But yeah, it's the way it's written, telling that story, and it works well with the sound of the song. Yes, it's so simple, but it's so perfect. Um, so yeah, I have to, and it's it's littered throughout the song. It's not overdone, but it is littered throughout the song. It's basically like the the post chorus uh, of the chorus, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. A post chorus. Um, I have a quote too. He says, "My relationship with music is a tumultuous one." This started out as an idea to write a song about how I hate every song, but it took on a really sentimental second meaning. When you spend time with music during a difficult period, those records become solidified with a painful memory. This is what you've basically said in Sunrise. Are you him? Uh, There there are records in my life that I can't listen to nowadays without going back to that time, and it's painful, and music is so powerful like that. Uh, So, yeah, you basically summarize word for word, uh, you know, what he put out there, too. Um, and I mean, that's, that's, everyone has that. That's so accurate yeah. to a T. We think of a song, how there are certain songs that I think to like homecoming dances, certain moments, yeah. certain like, it's like, fuck, I can't listen to this song anymore now. You ruin it. You blame the other person, of course. It's never your own fault. Um, no. <laughs> but you think of these significant moments and it's probably why you have a wedding song, right? It's why you have these moments, these songs that are going to be so meaningful for the rest of your life. Yeah, music is so incredibly powerful like that. Uh, it's it's been so powerful for my life. I mean, it's it's brought hell us together. If it wasn't for music, we wouldn't have met in band class. We wouldn't be talking right now. Like that's how powerful music can be. So it's mm-hmm. it's these little things that become such huge things in our lives. Uh, so it, it's cool. I don't know. Music is is great, and it's why we're here doing this. So um, this song, fantastic song. Love it. I'm probably going to listen to it after the podcast again because it's just so good. <laughs> number uh, number one on the album for you? Or? It's damn near it. Between this yeah. and Blow Me so far, probably my two favorite tracks. Um, gotcha. But there are other ones too, though, that I really enjoy uh, yeah. off this album. So like, it's a toss-up. It depends on the mood too. That's the thing about yeah. music. It depends on your mood. Yeah. So, um, is, it, is it you? Is it back to you? You. Okay. Back to you. It was still me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this one's yeah. easy. One minute long, track six, My Cocoon. It's an interlude. Uh, yeah. It's what I got from this. It's literally about being comfortable, maybe, by themselves in their cocoon. That's what I got out of this. Yeah. It's, it's just a minute interlude, nice little bridge, if you will. Uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's just a kind of midway through, you know, or not, not even midway through, but kind of song about you know isolation and yeah not much to say about it it's fine it's not like anything where i went oh but no it's it's a good interlude between this and the next song yeah so it's fine i like that i think we've used that before in our reviews it's fine encoding overloaded hold on we'll see if we drop any frames here obs is freaking out um go ahead continue track seven yeah so we've got cathedral bell uh, three minutes, three seconds. Um, starts with the sound of a door closing. Um, it's got got a very dancey beat with kind of a eerie harp going on in the background, um, which is cool. I mean, again, it's not something I'm used to hearing from the used, 
Um, I mean, they've experimented with their sound a bit over the years, but um, but I liked the 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 element that they added to it. Um, let's see, kind of like you know they're feeling like they're stuck in the mud. Um, trying to read my writing here <laughs> uh, while being kind of uh, curious about the world, but not fully engaging in it um, is what I've got for a cathedral bell. Um, not, I mean, not one of my top tracks, but I did really enjoy this song. Um, but um, yeah, as far as the overall number of hits on this album for me, um, this was on the lower end, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good song, but I don't have anything too much uh, going into the lyrics other than kind of what I mentioned already. Yeah. Um, quick note, too. Have you seen the music video for this one? I don't think I have. No, it's it's one of those lyric videos, but it has like almost I think it's it might be an actual video, but it's got like claymation almost to it. So okay. it's animated like it's it's super eerie and weird. Um, yeah. But it fits the tone of the, the song, uh, the the video. If you get a chance, check that out. And let me know what you think. Okay. But, uh, there is a music video out there for it. But yeah, uh, the very '80s vibe to this one is what I was getting. So kind of groovy, cruising, just like retro sound. Um, I have notes that it's. I feel it's a song I heard before. I don't know from where or from what, but it has that mm. familiar style to it. Uh, so again, fun groove of this track that maintains throughout, which could be my only complaint. It never kind of has ups and downs. It just kind of grooves through. Um, No hills, straight vibes. Uh, Lyrically relatable track about being stuck in your own head with thoughts controlling you, but you cannot react or act against them. Um, So much like what you said, a unique unique track. Uh, I like this one. It has a good groove to it. It's not my favorite, but it's not a bad track by any means. Yeah, I agree. It's it's, it's good. It's... uh, Again, everything worth listening to so far. Everything on this album so far is worth listening to. Uh, so, yeah. Um, still me? Still you? Track 8 comes 244, 1984, Infinite Jest. I believe that's how they pronounce that, right? <clears throat> yep. Uh, going earliest used on the opening of this track uh, with a mandolin, Styling 2. I believe it's a mandolin could be wrong it's some string instrument i mean there's so many sounds in this album to identify each one would be <laughs> you'd have to task, yeah. be extremely well versed in your musical sounds i'm almost there i'm no, just kidding uh <laughs> so it's got creepy string it's a signature style they've used before uh the creepy almost spooky like carnival vibes as they build into a heavy bridge in the verse Uh, This track is a reference lyrically to one of Bert's favorite books, which is called Infinite Jest, I found out. I had never heard of that book before, but I was curious what the heck that meant, and that's what I discovered, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you you totally ignored the... No, that's fine. So you totally ignored the 1984 part of that, huh? Oh, my God. Right (laughs) over my head, too. Right (laughs) over my head. Wow. I was focused on Um, the wrong part of that. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we'll, I'm sure, discuss more throughout our reviews, a lot of these songs are relating to books um, or poems or short stories. Which I do have noted. Which 1984 is a damn book. What the hell am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) So, oddly enough, I had had actually, or not oddly enough, it's one of my favorite books, 1984. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, I'm not as familiar with Infinite Jest, 
but I am familiar with 1984 and I actually re-listened to it um, recently before we were even deciding to do this. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was uh, it's pretty interesting um, that he's kind of tying the two books together and also relating it to modern day. Um, and instead he just kind of, he, he compares the, like, con- like, are you, did you read 1984? Are you familiar with it? A hundred percent familiar. Yeah. I love this. Okay. Yes. That's so, why I'm mad about this, that I didn't even make a connection. <laughs> now you gotta really so, re-listen to it. Right in my face now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, it compares, uh, you know, basically 1984 for people that don't know, constantly being watched, Big Brother's always watching you. Um, you feel like you can't even have negative thoughts or they're going to be on to you, the thought police. There's a whole, it's a great, great book. Definitely recommend checking into it. Well, suddenly um, too, in the last two years, everybody got real familiar with the story when I guarantee half yes. those people didn't read the damn book, but they want to use that to, you know, narrow oh, yeah. their agendas. Like you stop it. Right. You don't even know, but go on. We are, we are luckily still very, very far away from 1984. Correct. But, um, but in some ways we aren't. So basically, um, I did look into this one a little bit more too. And uh, basically, well, as I said, there's a constant telly screen um, in 1984. And um, that uh, basically now, with us having a constant telly screen, aka our phone in our hands constantly, um, it's kind of taken a modern day approach that you are always in front of a telly screen, um, whether you realize it or not. Um, let's see. He makes a, a lyrical, um, part in here. It says the prettiest corpse, the real black parade, uh, which is a, I mean, a black parade is a known thing, but also a My Chemical Romance reference. Yes. We um, did a song together years ago, a cover of Queen. Yep. Under so, pressure. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Decay's chasing my face. Um, compared to your face um again that's also kind of talking about social media um you know as far as applying filters um i'm seeing your face it looks very pretty in my face i'm looking in the mirror and seeing that it's decayed um so ignorance is this um basically gets whispered and repeated throughout the song um the only way to set us free um is to sever the artery um which is great because the only way we're going to stop being addicted to our phones is Cut it off. No, cut off the source. (laughs) I mean, for us to die, essentially, sure, but cut off all of that from our lives. Just disconnect. Totally. Yep. Totally disconnect from social media, or until you pass. Um, So yeah, again, I thought the 1984 references were just fantastic in this song, and now that you'll go back and listen to it, I'm sure you'll you'll pick up on that. It was right in front of our face. The title is there. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Well, and same with 1984, you're seeing this big brother figure who's never aging, always looks the same. Is he a real person? Um, and that's kind of what we see in social media. And uh, and so I, I thought lyrically, one of the, the better songs, and even though it's pulling from um, uh, biblical, I was going to say biblical, uh, literary references, um, it's still really relatable to modern day. And uh, I like the, the new spin on uh, having your phone being the telescreen, like 1984, makes complete sense. Like, yeah, it, it's it's scary. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you look around every day; someone has it in their hand, and they're doing something. Oh yeah, always, always. Mm-hmm. Or if you're in line somewhere, and then just pull out your phone. 
there's a, yeah. Well, then there's a spot open. And you're like, all right, come on, move. And oh, they're not paying attention. Yeah, happens constantly. It's wild. It was not like we grew up in a generation that didn't have that. It's wild. That's all we see now. Yeah. Batman says, "Love 1984." Did an English lit exam on that. Yeah, we had to read it in school years ago. Yep. And uh, that's when I really kind of discovered that genre of. Uh, I mean, I knew of science fiction, but. Um, <laughs> almost science nonfiction, right? If you will, like, yeah, it's, it's great potential. Um, yeah, but that's why it makes it so interesting. Right. This man, like he's, he read this. He said the, the people that are broken are freaking geniuses. Like they really are like Bert. He's been through some shit, but he is smart. And I believe he's a high school dropout too, Mm. which is wild. So again, like, I don't know. It's wild to me. The, the, the incredible knowledge this man has and, and the way yeah. he can articulate things. Um, and his fondness of poetry, too. You, that's a whole different style to be able to think mm-hmm. and write like that. that that's not normal. Uh, that's his unique characteristic. So, yeah. And I want to use that term loosely. Normal. What is normal, right? Um, All right. What's up, King of Pro 259? Thank you for chatting in. How are you tonight? Um, is it you still? Are you kicking us through? Yep. So, yeah, that's right. the next one. So, uh, Gravity's Rainbow, again, another book. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one that I was not at all familiar with. Um, so I did look it up. Um, I did like, <clears throat> um, I, yeah, I wasn't familiar with the book. Um, but basically it kind of relates to World War Two and the design and production of rockets. Um, and I, I felt like, at least lyrically, it was kind of from the perspective of somebody living through it and kind of recognizing what they're doing and the impact that it's having on the world around them. Um, for me, again, it was hard for me to get really into this one, even though it's, you know, four minute, 13, four minutes and 13 seconds. Um, I really, I like the song, but again, without being super familiar with the story, it was like less relatable when I, when I look back at the 1984 song just before it. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I know what this is saying. I know what this is saying. I know what this is saying. Um, so, yeah, it, that's all I've got for that song. Uh, so for this one, I mentioned again, we talked about the sound engineering. I got to give compliments again for how they fill out their tracks. Uh, opening in with strings. Uh, for me, it's become iconic with them. I know they're not the only band. So many bands use strings to fill out their sound. But the way they mix theirs, you know it's a used track. If you're familiar with the used that is um so for me it's become iconic for them this builds into heavy riffs to transition to the verse which then falls back into a calmer drum and bass uh the chorus is heavier with the sing-along styles which we're growing to expect if this is your first album or you've grown to expect if you're a seasoned fan of this band um i noted in here too bert seems to be a a bookworm a a bit so (laughs) it was at this point where i'm starting to acknowledge the trend which we already talked about and highlighted. Um, and he's referencing again, another book that he loves in this track name. So at this point, cause when I listen to album, I listen to front and back. That's just how I've always listened to albums. It's how I'll continue. Probably. I'm not going to jump around. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not house of pain. No, I get it. Okay. Anyways, but yeah, it's uh it's a good song. Um, not a highlight to me, but it's a good song. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, 
Track 10 comes in at 251. It's called Clean Cut Heels. Synth sounding intro on this one, which falls out to bass and vocals in a verse. The chorus is this amazing amalgamation of 80s funk and dance with sing-along chorus with Bert here. And lyrically, I found this song to be apparently about his experience with leaving the Mormon church. So Hmm. that that was the only thing that I could find in in relation to information I could find on this one. Um, Which makes sense with some of the lyrical content. So uh, he references, I wish I would have written this down too. He references uh, being too, what is that? I believe he said obscene or something um, for the church. So he, he was, it was questioning, you know, why he was leaving. Am I too much basically for you? Oh, mm-hmm. so, um, that's what I got out of this one. It's a fun song, upbeat. I enjoyed it. Uh, again, like we're deep into the album now. The standouts generally are in the prior, like in the early parts of albums, but this is still a fun track and I really enjoyed this one. All right. Um, for me, this is uh, definitely a standout, um, it, and it's and it's very odd for the use. I, I feel like it's their almost pop their their poppiest song to date, um, as far as taking that kind of a, a like almost has like a club beat to it. Um, great vocal distortions on the track, funky bass beat, like you said. Um, hardly any guitar at all in the song. Um, a couple riffs. Um, into the chorus um but other than that sounds kind of like like you said uh, someone who's stuck in a painful relationship and saying that basically clean cut heals more beautiful um you know i won't ever leave and basically saying like you need to end this relationship or i'm gonna be here forever so um so for me i found it more relating to um uh, a relationship and making kind of a, a clean break um, for me, this is one of my top three tracks of the album. Uh, I just love the overall sound. It's very, very catchy to me um, and very different. Like if you would have put out a song by, you know, one of the bands that I listened to that sounds totally different from stuff they've been doing before, like this, I would have been like, eh, it's okay. But this song really hits for me. Yeah, it definitely works for them, for sure. Like I said, I didn't hate it. There hasn't been a bad song yet. So, yeah, but if we're, if we're ranking things, I don't think it would be my personal top three, but it's because there are other ones that I felt stand out more. I, a contender yeah. for maybe top five, I would say. So, um, yeah, what, what's uh, what are we on now? Uh, artwork, artwork, still you. Yep, so artwork one minute 22 seconds again, uh, an interlude, um. Kind of got some chants going on in the background. Um, again, some cool production techniques that were done. Um, Bert's vocals in this one kind of remind me of "I'm a Fake," um, which I, which is a song that I obviously, you know, uh, am super familiar with from their earlier albums. Um, kind of sounds uh, uses a lot of uh, lyrical violence, but takes it with a positive tone. Um, and just, you know, talking about basically kind of killing each other with kindness. Um, so it seems like kind of a transition point for the album, um, kind of interluding into the, the next song. Yeah. You referenced that's a vocal or that's a lyric too, um, from one of the, like the spoken word poems. 
um, from old stuff too. The Killing with Kindness. Um, mm-hmm. I forget. I, I don't think that's verbatim, but it's something of that sort. It might be. I don't know. That sounds really familiar now. Um, so yeah, the album title interlude serves as the build into the next track. Uh, I mentioned here, this isn't the first time, uh, but Bert loves his poetry. Uh, there's a quote that I'd found on this one too, cause I really wanted to know what this was from, especially being the title track. It has to have some significance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he quotes here. There's a little arrangement on a song we've made with a really special poem of mine. Uh, that's the title track for this record. The poem has been around probably since 2012. Wrote it in a kind of horrible moment, a violent moment, an extreme moment, but you've captured it. And so you have that feeling and you have that little capsule of that moment ready whenever you want to pull it out, wherever you want to pull it out. And if it's good, you can read it five, six years later and be like, yeah, I still feel that. So Hmm. there's no more context on it. I don't know what he's referencing. Um, but there is significance behind it, which led to obviously the name of the album too. So there's incredible significance behind this. Uh, and this stems from, I mean, almost 10 years ago. So, yeah. And I mean, and it's also, you know, kind of a play on their, their logo that they've adapted over the years with their, um, with their heart from in love and death. And then it's, you know, it's not like it's been present on every album, but it's something that if someone, if you were to show that, heart logo to somebody they're going to know right away who it is um and then on that Mm -hmm. i have a wristband with the logo Mm -hmm. so um this is if it's not wiped off which it is this was a wristband and i talk about the significance of the band for me but this wristband especially i played guitar in a band for many years uh you know this already some people that listen to our podcast know this uh, one of the things that you wear is a wristband so you don't rub off the paint and then destroy your forearm on the guitar when you're playing. It also was a style thing for a little while, right? The punk rock, the pop punk bands, you would wear these things. It became really trendy. Um, so I found one in probably 2003, 2000, probably 2004-ish um, with this logo, which makes sense if it was 2004 because that's around the time they adapted, like you said, that logo. And throughout the bands around that time for several years, I mean, it's worn. Like, if you can see it, the color's all distorted and just, this thing probably smells. It's never been washed. Um, But it's something I wore at every show. So, like, that's how much this band meant to me. Like, to wear their (laughs) logo and wear their stuff and uh, just be so proud to be a fan of them. So, um, but yeah, that's... The logo, which you reference, I figure that's a good time to share that. So, well, and also playing off of the um, their previous album artwork. Yeah. Um, so, artworks just to play, kind of play on words from their earlier albums and kind of tying it all together. Yes. So, yeah, artwork. Another one that was probably, gosh, that was several years ago now, too. Yeah, ten ten years ago or so. Good God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they put out a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Back to me. Back to you. Track 12 here. We're getting through this, guys. Don't worry. Uh, Track 12 here is called The Lighthouse, and it has another guest artist on this one. This one features Mark Hoppus, which if you're unfamiliar with him, he is best known as the bass player and vocalist for Blink-182, as well as uh, Plus 44, 
and he has guested on so many other projects, including a side project that he is, um, he was most recently part of, gosh, what is the duo called now? Um, him and another vocalist. Hmm. I don't know. Lana would know because we've listened to this. They had that uh, pop-up video, music video. I don't know. Maybe she's still listening. Maybe she'll pop in with that. But anyways, Mark Hoppus, you best know him for his spot in Blink-182 as the bass player and vocalist for that. Uh, in this one, it's a chill track, clean vocals or clean guitars and a hip-hop beat almost behind it. Uh, verse with vocals built into the guest spot for Mark Hoppus, which builds into the sing-along chorus and uh man if you're not belting this one out when it comes in uh when that chorus kicks i can be your lighthouse i don't know what you're doing with yourself because wherever you're at mm-hmm. if you're in the car driving especially if you're by yourself and no one can judge you uh you're, you're yelling that chorus out uh simple creatures thank you lana are you familiar with that band i'm not really yeah okay might be an upcoming review for us then it's a collaboration project. They've put out two EPs. Oh, yeah. I'll check into it. Yeah, like six tracks each. But uh, yeah, Simple yeah. Creatures. Fun. I think it's up your alley. We'll find out. Maybe we'll do a review. Um, older stuff is a couple of years ago now. but um, So yeah, I Could Be Your Lighthouse. The chorus is driven with a marching snare and drops back out for the verses, back into the hip-hop styling. Uh, ends with some funk bass with a little bit of a breakdown. And uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's, it's even soloed for a section until it comes back in. Like fun, fun track. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, this might be one of those top three ones again. Um, so the information I found on here it says the song title could easily be a reference to the book "To the Lighthouse" um, by Virginia Woolf. After a Google search, mm-hmm. um, I found out that Bert actually tweeted out a reference to the book before years ago. So something tells me that it's a nod to that. Unless you have more info. So what do you got? Uh, So I do have a little more info, but not, not directly relating to literary reference. Um, So yeah, like you said, featuring Mark Hoppus, Um, Mark Hoppus has done a lot of guest spots on songs and done a lot of production work. So just aside from Blink-182, he helped produce Commit This to Memory, um, which is one of my favorite albums from Ocean City Soundtrack. Um, so yeah, very heavily involved in pop punk and that whole genre around it, everything in between. Um, so yeah, more the, had a kind of a funky baseline, which reminded me of kind of the baseline from clean cuts in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, so really enjoyed that. Uh, like you said, as far as the, I can be your lighthouse, um, chorus, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you belt it out. Like, how do you not? And it, it's, it's repetitive, but it works. It works really well. Um, this one, it, it the song kind of speaks to a destructive relationship and the other person still relying on them to kind of be their rock. Um, and I actually found out that it was called, it was, uh, I can't be your lighthouse, um, was initially how he had it phrased. Um, and then he played the songs for his daughter and his daughter, didn't like it and she said you should change it to can and he did um (laughs) which gives it a whole different meaning um you know i can be your lighthouse versus i can't be your lighthouse which totally changes the whole direction and meaning of the song um have you seen the music video for this one 
You know, I want to say I have. I don't remember, though. So this one, they did uh, a tribute to um, medical workers, firemen, policemen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this, so again, you know, trying to be our, our lighthouse through, through COVID and trying to help people heal, stay safe. Great. I mean, great song to do that tribute on and really great music video. So definitely check into that as far as they, they featured a lot of people, probably a hundred plus different people throughout the video um, that sent in their own submissions, to keep it all COVID safe. So great, great song. Uh, Andrea got back to us too. So symbol creatures is him. Mark Hoppus with the vocalist and guitarist and keyboardist from all time low. So, this huh? so is the main guy there, um, and Mark Hoppus. So those two are a duo to do a super group, super duo. Um, that was the last concert I've seen. <laughs> well, there you go. It might, it might be up your alley then. It's uh, it's right. a fun. Yeah. There's, there's some good tracks from what I've heard. So um, right. check them out. That might be a review coming soon. Um, cool. Is it you? Yeah, it's still you. Yeah, so next one we've got is Obvious Blase. Uh, two minutes, 52 seconds. This song features Travis Barker. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got two-thirds of the original Blink-182. Um, and, well, not original, but we can go there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Just say, wait a second. <laughs> uh, I know, I know, I know. I knew you were going to call me out on it. But <laughs> the more well-known Blink-182, how about right. that? So um, this one, I mean, it's got really technical drum beats sounds like a classic used song um and uh, lyrically i mean it kind of sounds like the end result of big wannabe um it's kind of what i, what I kind of put out from it so i felt like those two songs were closely related um but i i wanted to love it because it's got travis barker on it um because he's done a lot of good features and as you said with pop punk making a comeback he's done a lot of stuff with stuff that's been hitting the radio um but for me i i guess i was expecting more from the drums with with travis parker not that he doesn't bring it because he does but um yeah it wasn't it wasn't one of my top tracks yeah so i mean my notes are pretty much the same on this I said it's a fun signature style song by the use is similar to what you said. This is their sound and style. You would know it uh, if you heard this song, uh, but yeah, nothing to write home about. It does capture all their styles. Even the strings and violins organ in the background. Uh, there are always layers of heavy in their tracks to make them sound really full. Um, props to the sound engineers. So I can't emphasize them enough for what they've done over the years for this band it makes it sound full and fun. And I love it. Um, and yes, this track does feature Travis Barker, again, drummer of Blink-182 and a million other projects currently. Um, but it doesn't show him off. Like, he didn't show up. It, yeah, I don't want to say agree. it's phoned in, but like, if you're going to guest on something, make it noticed. Because if I hadn't told you or if they hadn't told us, I yeah. wouldn't have known. There's no, nothing I had no in idea. there, even like you could say his snare sound, but even that's like tuned to the, what the engineers wanted for it. Uh, Cause he does have a sound on his snare, by the way, he has many sounds, but there's one that he uses more than others. Uh, but yeah, we wouldn't have known the only hints. And this is like reaching for like an example of something would be the break, the breakdown before the last course, which sounds like a nod 
to the distorted drum effects in the beginning of I'm Feeling This by Blink years ago. That is the only sure. thing I'm like trying to reach for an example of something. And that's your signature? That's not a good sure. signature. So um, it's not bad. But again, yeah. this is not a showcase of his work. And to be honest, he hasn't showcased a lot of his amazing styling in years. I don't know if the plane accident had to do anything with it. I don't know if getting older has to do anything with it. He is not the same drummer that he was in the 2000s. His style um, is there. He's a great drummer. Don't get me wrong. He is fantastic and nails it on everything he does. But he's just not, there's something not the same. And I don't know if it's the music he's featured on that's just not showcasing him well, but there's something not the same. And we can even go back to Boxcar Racer. That was very experimental. Yeah. And he even showcased his drumming skills on that one. There's there's a variety. And I get it. It's one feature track on another band's album. Um, but I don't know. If you're going to guest him, make yeah. it a point to show him off. Because he can. Yeah. Or he used to be able to. I don't know. Lana says so, uh, it's that damn Kardashian he's engaged to. She's kidding. She says. <laughs> so um, if you're looking for a more featuring a song featuring more of his skills um that's modern um kenny hoopla um has a song that's featuring travis barker called stella okay. or estella um so that's great uh great track to check out um very very pop punk feel um and great drum work by travis barker on that one so he's also heads. on bite me by avril lavigne her new single and he's in the yeah band, so there you go and just a million other faux pop punk ones that are coming out now. Whoa. Avril Lavigne's faux pop punk? No, no, I'm not saying her. I'm saying a lot She's of... the motherfucking uh, pop punk princess. A lot of solo people that are trying to go pop punk. Yeah, like MGK. Yeah, all MGK. Just, I think he's featured on one of his. He is. Um, but so is Bert. So. He is. Yeah, they both are. So, yeah, yeah. People said that uh, MGK lost so hard in a rap battle that he got kicked out of the genre when he right. lost to Eminem. <laughs> no, it's the man trying to reinvent himself in a, in a genre he had to get out of because he wasn't doing big things in it. Um, in all honesty, he's ahead of the game. He's he's at the forefront of a style that's making a comeback. So if anything, yeah. he made a smart career move. Hate the man, if you will, but look who he's with. I ain't hating on him. <laughs> back to the review though <laughs> um me still you who is it uh you're up next with the lottery the lottery 14 after this i snow after 16 i stopped numbering them because i numbered the bonus tracks starting back at one so um 14 the lottery coming in at 244 uh heavy heavy or heavy hat hat heavy uh, is what I kick this thing off with. If you if you listen to the song, you know what I mean. The track kicks off really heavy and then drops off into a swing style almost in the verse. It builds on vocals and drums into the chorus, drops to vocals just before the chorus fully kicks in. Uh, anything where just everything drops and then it comes in, it's like a punch of sound and music, uh, which is one of the same. But uh, love it. Love it. So um, I, I was very happy with that. Um, why am I know it's disappearing? Uh, it features 
another guest vocalist too did it reference a guest vocalist because i wrote that in my notes um, it did yep it did okay because for whatever reason the title track usually references but the it's not here so yeah. it features a guest caleb, vocalist caleb from, yep caleb shomo uh known now for Beartooth, formerly a member of attack attack uh both bands that i enjoy absolutely love attack attack um most people have mixed opinions on them but they're a fun band uh really heavy hardcore stuff if you like that style uh same with um um bear tooth so let me get our connection stable here we are dropping out frames i don't know if you're still with me can you hear me yep my computer's just all over the place today so that's wonderful every time we try to do a damn podcast it goes all over the place encoding overloaded consider turning down no i didn't change anything obs stop effing with me good lord can we just get through an episode gotta love it (laughs) Um, so yeah, it features guest vocalists from Beartooth, another post-hardcore band. He's prominently featured in the heavy breakdown of this track, as that shows off his style uh, from that band. Uh, an overall great heavy track. I really enjoyed this one. All right. Um... Oh, got one more note. Sorry. I had to go yep. to my next page. Uh, so I have a quote on this one. Uh, the song is based around a short story written by Shirley Jackson. The story details an annual rite called The Lottery and deals mainly with the theme of traditions. Bird explained he feels this theme is even more relevant now than when the author wrote the story, as there are so many things about our lives and the world we take for granted and do not question even though they hurt us. Uh, so that was a quote from Bert on the track that I had found. Go on, sorry. All right. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think you've missed the literary aspect, but you, you got it. <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, I had to go to the next so page yeah. in my notes. <laughs> yeah, that might help. Um, so yeah, Caleb Shomo, as you said, um, the heavy first album vibes kind of out the gate with this one. Um, really love the, the heavy guitars, um, in this one, um, the breakdowns between choruses, guitar solos with screaming that kind of into the very end. And, um, it's, it's just great. Um, one of, one of my top tracks on the album, I would say, uh, again, another short story reference, um, talks about blindly following uh, a ritual or kind of a culture culturally accepted practice um and i did you look into what the lottery was as far as the the story or what the ritual is i did not so basically like it's a the this town of people they um randomly have hold the lottery to choose someone that they will put to death um basically stone them to death and uh, you'll hear like fire away and stuff where people basically are presumably throwing rock rocks at this person. And it's supposed to bring good luck to their town or their village or prosperity to them. Um, so, yeah, I think it has meanings in modern day, modern day culture as far as things that you do just without thinking. And, um, yeah, ly- lyrically and vocally, I really like this one, you know, with the please don't hurt me. And, you know, just a, a lot of really cool stylings to this one and you know really bringing it with the the screaming that he can no longer do effectively um is done great with a guest vocal so again you bring in a guest vocal person or a guest on an album to have them bring something to your song that either you can't do as well as you used to or that will feature their talents well and make other people look into them um and i feel like they really nailed it with this one with their guest vocalist yeah, no, I agree. It's sad that he can't anymore, but if you, I mean, if you're familiar with his stage performances in the early work uh, with his screaming, 
Uh, we talked about it yeah. earlier that what he does for his throat throughout the, the sets so he can get through a normal set of just singing. Uh, I mean, the man would scream so hard on stage that he was known for vomiting. You can, yeah. Like, that's giving it your all and a little bit too much. So Yeah. Uh, Lana says the lottery traumatized me when I read it. I don't think I read that, to be honest. I'm familiar. But I, I didn't. Have nope, it. I have not read it either. So... But it sound, I mean, the premise sounds pretty messed up. Yeah, very much so. Um, back to you, still? Um, yeah. So, next up, we got Darkness Bleeds, um, FOTF. And, uh, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, Fire the Flood. Um, so, Heavy Snare uh, builds into guitars and drums. Uh, and then we've got some violins like you said with the the used they like to use their strings and they feature them very well on this song um goes into more of uh industrial um almost edm like beat um but it works it works well um let's see uh cover me when darkness bleeds in uh is one of the the lyrics from it um kind of painful past and reliance on another for comfort is lyrically kind of what i was taking away from it um, let's see. Hear the silence. Um, there's a basically like a, a more of a chant going on that's featured in this one. Um, with that, hear hear the silence. Hear hear the silence. Um, which almost sounds like women's vocals in the background, which is uh, again different for the use, but works really well in the song. It isn't it isn't overdone or overly featured. Um, so yeah, and then it has a good piano breakdown and tempo change at the end so again really good track um as we're getting close to the end of the album um one of the the better songs on the album for sure yeah most definitely uh to recap on the lottery one too lana says they read it in english class uh you don't know they're getting stoned to death until the very end it's a twist and you think it's an amazing it's this amazing thing and then they surprise you at the end it's horrific uh so Ooh. yeah sounds like yeah that sounds read. good sounds good uh, so yeah, Darkness Bleeds, uh, Fire or the Flood, uh, heavy intro with a uh, breakbeat verse, very fast pace. This builds uh, into the same pace, but with heavy guitars into the the chorus. So it just builds, but keeps the frantic uh, pace going throughout. Sing Along with Burt continues on this one. Can't help but feel hype. Uh, the back and forth continue with the verse and chorus. There is, however, an instrumental breakdown. Uh, this is where the track kind of slows down for a little bit, too. So there are a lot of peaks and dips there's a lot of variety to this one it's a fun ride if you will um yes. i tend to like that in my tracks um every now and then it's good to have a straightforward flow to a song um but maybe this is just us being groomed with uh orchestra growing up uh orchestra didn't have structure right there's flow to it uh, there's emotions mm -hmm. that you experience throughout it uh very seldomly did you return to a chorus or a hook if you will uh generally it is littered in there but not as a cookie cutter as top 40 radio is you know what i mean right it's it's that's safe music uh this one was it had variety and i enjoy that in their stuff so yeah uh nice variety really good track um they reference fire the flood and other things too we'll get to that it's referenced right. again uh closing out the original album here before the expansion pack if you will 
Uh, track 16, To Feel Something, coming in at 2.56. Uh, initially, if this was just the closing of the actual album, which it was back then, acoustic piano outro for what was the original album length, that's what I have for notes, serves as a great outro for that original album, as they digress from so much emotion and energy that was on this album thus far. The build grows heavy and dark as they exit this track, possibly one of the most relatable vocalists out there for me, uh, is what I have, uh, just to give example of uh, why I've become and have been so attached to them for 20 years. So amazing stuff. Um, he's one of those people that I would love to just sit down and have a conversation with what we talk about. I don't know. I'd figure it out then, but um, right. I would, I would love to have a moment. So, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree um, to feel something uh, kind of starts off differently like you, you think it's going to be um faster it kind of starts off almost with like a, a bagpipe like sound um with bass building in the bass beat um initially when i first heard it um that's kind of building slowly building growing louder and louder and louder um reminded me of uh something is not right with me um by the cold war kids mm-hmm. um so that and then it just drops off and it goes into like a slow acoustic breakdown with piano um and some of I would say Bert's best vocal work that I've heard in general um, throughout their, all of their albums, um, really powerful stuff, you know, to, to feel something. I mean, everyone has had that point where they are just kind of going through life and they're, they're not really feeling it. They want something to connect with someone to connect with, you know, and especially through, you know, COVID a lot of people are feeling that. So, um, yeah, I just uh, just want to feel something. Anything is better than this. Um, again, he- again, heavy industrial beats and bass um, leading into a screaming of the chorus and uh, a powerful closeout. So, yeah, just great way to wrap up the whole original album. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not going to give you a preview of my score, but if we were reviewing the just original track list, I would have been very favorable of it and very positive on it so to give you some insight thus far where we're headed uh it's a solid album so if you haven't heard the album the original format even listen to it you're missing out honestly uh and this goes for any genre liking individual unless you like country then you probably won't like this but you know um so let's head over to the expansion pack of little. Let's let's have you continue this thing. All right. Um, so first track we've got on there is the Night Sea Journey. Um, four minutes twenty seven seconds. Uh, I've got kind of a guitar and xylophone like intro. Um, uh, echoing lyrics uh, kind of match the feel of the overall song. Song um, seems like to me more of a optimistic song. Um, search for kind of paradise and pushing through to basically see the rainbow to get get to the light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, again, like lyrically, I really enjoyed this track. Really good, but I can see why it was not included in the original album, just thematically. Um, musically, it, it could fit anywhere um, for them, and I, I feel like it could have... Um, it, it really matches the overall sounds that they displayed throughout the album but lyrically doesn't really 
match with a lot of the original albums. So excellent for a deluxe album and great way to start off the deluxe album. Yeah, that's definitely what's interesting about recording 27 tracks and then finding a theme, right? Um, A lot of bands do this. So a lot of bands, when they put together an album, there's more songs out there. Whether they're recording them or not, we don't know. Um, Sometimes they do just to have them in their catalog. They may release them down the road that might fit more thematically with whatever they're putting out. Um, Mm -hmm. styles change and it might be fitting more to a style that's upcoming that wasn't yet. Uh, It could be something retroactively coming back, um, you know, into style. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things you can tell sometimes you're like, ah, this, this is a bonus track. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but thematically Mm -hmm. it's not what was before it uh, in the album itself. So yeah. Um, so bringing us into the deluxe part of the album with this, we are brought in gently slow builds into a chorus, which seem fitting to the track name itself. It is a journey, right? Uh, the verses mm-hmm. are calm in the pre-chorus and chorus are very upbeat and driven. And there's more references in this one to the, um, uh, in this track to the flood. So they mentioned the fire and the flood in this one again. So they, they talk mm-hmm. about the flood. Um, I thought I had notes on that. I just didn't remember which track. Uh, previous Clap. example was in the uh, you know Fire and Flood earlier in the album, and then the track for this one ends pretty heavy. Uh, so it's a good track. You know, I didn't hate this one, um, but if you wanted to throw it again as a relatable one to the album that it's on now with the deluxe, um, it doesn't not fit, but it doesn't fit if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Um, next one, my notes would stop disappearing. What's going on with my tablet today? All technology. Damn. Gotta love it. The brothers, uh, Kara Mazov. There you go. Is that how it goes? Yep. Okay. We tried. We succeeded. Can't help but feel the Nirvana type influence on this one. For whatever reason, I thought Nirvana. I don't know why, but this is very 90s alternative with the used spin on it. Um, This one stands out stylistically um and that's not a bad thing it's it's uh got a good vibe to it again very 90s for whatever reason um maybe it's their their own influence these guys aren't young keep in mind we said that they've been around full albums for 20 years and they're they're older than us they've been doing their thing for a while so uh it makes sense their formative years was a band like nirvana mm-hmm. who knows though um not my favorite, but again, it's a bonus track. I can't complain. It's got fun retro vibe to it. I dig it. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, it's a bonus track. It doesn't fit with the album. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, when you had the brothers, Karamaza, as you were trying to <laughs> get out there, you didn't think, oh, maybe I should look that one up. <laughs> um, because yeah. that actually. It is a uh, Dostoevsky book, um, like 800-page book called that. Um, so basically about brothers um, and uh, has themes of free will, God, and morality. Um, so not anything that I've read because I don't read any 800-some-page books. And it's uh, you know very old literary reference. So not too many people I know that go around reading Dostoevsky, even though it is fun to say. Um so it sounds like basically um lyrically it sounds like um 
seeing similarities uh, of himself and his father and kind of wanting to be different. Um, so how these brothers kind of want to be their own person and not be seen for their mistakes or their father's mistakes or whatever. Um, so again, it was a good literary tie-in, like you said, with the sound, um, had that kind of 90s feel to it. Um, really cool song and kind of introduced me to this book. Again, I don't see myself getting into a book that long, but um, literary, like uh, as far as it being a, a book that was written, I think a long time, I mean, a couple hundred years ago, is what I'm seeing. Um, it's, uh, it's like well regarded as one of the top works of, um, literary, um, fiction. So yeah, it's very cool, um, track and kind of, I could see where that would have been pieced in if they were going with some more of those literary songs. Um, cause they had two, three, four, whatever on the original album. Um, but also not totally fitting with the theme of the album so i see why it wasn't included but yeah great song i have to brush up on my uh 200 years ago literature yeah good luck <laughs> right yeah um <clears throat> so up next we've got river stay at three minutes and three seconds um so this one uh, was uh kind of a more mellow song about uh not being able to kind of forgive their ex um, is kind of what I was taking from it lyrically. Um, they felt very jaded by them. Um, I said it was a good song. Um, not very complex. Definitely felt like a B-side for me. Yeah. Uh, another ballad here. There was a lot of ballads on the B-side here, if you will, the bonus tracks, mm -hmm. uh, the, the slower feel to it, which again is fine. It doesn't fit with the energy of the album, which is, I, I realized why it was cut. Um, but yeah, another ballad track, straightforward musically. Uh, lyrically, I do want to emphasize the line, forgive you is the last thing I'd ever do. I was like, oh, someone's uh, upset. Jaded. Yeah. Very. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, <laughs> I said it's a relatable track. There's a lot of situations where uh, pride, you know, in my past has gotten the best of me. Uh, and that's the one thing that clearly stands in their way, too. So, you know, forgive you is the last thing I'd ever do. Well, maybe that's why you're in this situation. <laughs> Communication was clearly lacking. Um, it's still relatable. I understand. Been there. You know, you can't fault someone as long as maybe they learned from it or they made a track out of it. So they sure. got something out of it. So good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's fine. It's our, our third one here into this this extended play, uh, mm -hmm. deluxe edition. Um, it's fine. I don't hate it. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what else to say. Uh, our next one, our fourth one here on this deluxe. Um, I'm going to butcher everything. Why do I keep getting these? Me, Medicina, me, Heroina. <laughs> Nailed it. Awesome. All right. Um, so my heroin, my medicine, basically, um, drugs, surprise. I am not, 
Uh, electronic opening with a fun 80s included drum machine, so you get a little bit of uh, 808 on it is what it sounded like. I really enjoyed the upbeat music accompanying with the sarcastic vocals describing, from what I could tell, a relationship. Uh, quote in here, I'm not an easy guy to be around, but you're no piece of cake, baby. And I don't know why I sounded like Duke Nukem there, but baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not how he sounds on this. No. <laughs> we'll act like that didn't happen. Don't, 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 don't sample that if you want more from this album. <laughs> no. Jesus um, also, no need to feel lonely forever in hell with you. Whew. This man's got demons, <laughs> and I like it. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, this was a fun track. I, I liked this one. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, like you said, pop electronic produced kind of drum beats um, at the beginning, fast paced, um, kind of loving their partner as they are, focusing on um, things that are kind of less dis- discussed in relationships or ballads or love songs. Um, about the negatives of a relationship, like you said, an old piece of cake. Um, and uh, but overall connected with love. Um, so I, I thought the lyrics were very relatable because, um, yeah, I mean, every relationship has that where you're going through, you know, some through some stuff and no one hates you, you know, no one hates me like you do. It's like kind of basically what he says in the song. Um, and I mean, it's true. I mean, you love your partner more than anything. And at times you hate your partner more than anything because you're with them constantly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, uh, um, I felt like this could have honestly fit in the original album as far as, um, lyrically. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of relationship stuff in it, which the initial album does as well. But, um, this one kind of surprised me. It ended up as a B side when it could have, um, for me, easily fit into the original album. Yeah. Batman says, wow, that's deep. So, Batman, did you get a chance in chat here? Batman in chat. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to this? Just curious your thoughts. Uh, but, yeah, fun track, man. Fun track. It's, uh, I'm glad they included some of these on here. So, Yeah. So, what we got next? Up next, we got uh, Blood, Meridian, Blood Meridian at 2 minutes 45 seconds. Um, this one starts off very alternative, um, very alternative sound. Um, again, this one sounds like uh, like a another kind of toxic relationship that he's going through. Um, and uh, let's see, kind of, I said Bert kind of dips his toes into pop slash electronic music on the chorus breakdown, um, but the song kind of builds into a metal and screaming finish um great variety on this track um like you said as far as what we you know what you look for um in a song and a great drum outro to finish it um so yeah this one kind of had all of the the staples of a, a great song that i i would listen to over and over again because it's just it's kind of all over the place um when it started off very alternative you know that genre has never been my thing so i was kind of wondering where they're going with it but then Again, it, it kind of dabbles in a lot of things, and it works really well. Yeah. Order of uh, MX. <clears throat> Thank you for the host. What's going on, man? So yeah, Blood Meridian. Uh, fading with music, which fully comes in with the drums and heavy guitars. It drops back into just drum and bass for the verse. Uh, again, classic styling for the crazy vocals in these clean um, verses from Burt. Uh, he, he loves divulging into madness with his style. 
And he, he, yo, Lana, thank you for the host. Um, he, he finds a way to convey that very well, you know, the, the, his methods into madness. Uh, so builds into a heavy chorus with Bert seemingly losing his mind on this one. Uh, I love the dark tones to it, lyrically describing madness and violence and insanity. And I, I love the exit from the track, which is fast drums and vocals. So I, I really enjoy this one. This is, this is yeah. those, those notes that I look for. Uh, like you had said, like this, this is great, great extra track. So yeah, it could have been part of the original as well. I feel like these last two really could have fit right in there. Yeah, most definitely. Um, our next one here is back to me, right? Yep. Brain unguent. 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 I've never used that word in my life. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? So I know. <laughs> Does anyone know? Unguent? Unguent? I don't know. Have you used that word in your life? I have not, and I am a, a wordsmith of sorts. I so, say, uh, yeah. <laughs> I honestly just didn't have the time to look into the definition of unguent, but it intrigues me. <laughs> yeah, someone look up. U-N-G-U-E-N-T. Unguent, he says, is the pronunciation right. for that. Uh, Send the people on a mission. Yeah, I've never used that word. Put it in a form of a sentence. <laughs> Unjoint is a difficult word to describe. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, we dropped a piano and slowing things down in this one. And for me, it was an interlude type track as it's just over a yeah. minute in length. Uh, it feels like a dream state and a bridge for the track to come possibly lyrically being a one-sided, uh, one-sided in a relationship saying they only think of him when he is gone. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to dive into in that? I didn't, I didn't. Maybe, Not really. Maybe Unjuin yeah. describes it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, interlude kind of sounds like a kind of a relationship reflection, but yeah, not much more than that. It's definitely an interlude. And I feel like I, I can kind of see where they were going with, if they chose kind of a different theme or if they kind of changed their theme midway through the original album, I could see this one transitioning into some of the last tracks into this album, uh, this deluxe album part of it. Um, so I could see where that would have been used overall if the theme was a little different in the initial album. So Lana has provided us with the <laughs> description. Um... Okay. A soft, greasy, or vicious substance used as ointment or for lubrication. Nice. <laughs> what? How do you even come across like utilizing that word? It's again his literary genius is what it is. The, the man mm -hmm. has read every book probably. Because um, who uses that word? I've never heard that word in my life. Such a great word, though. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> but when would I use it? You know, like, when is this going to come up? I'm going to find a way one day to use unguent. Oh, it is pronounced unguent. Yo. Yo. <laughs> I don't know. I got lucky because honestly I had no clue. That was just a guess. I'm pretending like I knew it. <laughs> but I'm pleasantly surprised I'm right for once. <laughs> To be determined. To be determined, he says. <laughs> hey, Google is never wrong. <laughs> I Googled it. Anyway. What are we back on? Who, who is it? You or me? Uh, I think it's me, right? 
Sure, yeah. we'll go with you. <laughs> yeah. Playing the victim. Uh, two minutes, 21 seconds. Um, so yeah, this one, again, it starts off the drums, singing, kind of electronic beat behind it. Um, very catchy chorus. Um, this one, I, I felt like it could be placed right into Love and Death. Very kind of emo-rooted. Um, which, I mean, obviously, a lot of their music sounds, you know, emo mixed with all of the other sounds that they've got going on. And it's, a, I mean, it's a label that they've embraced over the years. So, um, but yeah, it sounds like a song, um, you know, playing the victim, kind of talking about their ex and uh, and playing the victim. So, um, yeah, really, I mean, it's a good short song um, that uh, fits their style pretty well. Solana chimed in more. She said she did Google that word and listened to it because she didn't believe I was right. See, do you see why I questioned No, come on. I'm not that stupid. I do have a uh, channel called Nerd Acumen. I'm going to move on now. It's still my turn. Playing the victim here is what I'll be doing for all these slights against me. I see what you're doing. Uh, Playing the victim, a soft tone track continues on this one as it builds to an 80s type driven beat track. More upbeat. I'm using the word beat a lot. I need to. I need to get my thesaurus out. More unguin. <laughs> I used it. I told you I would. Oh, my God. Uh, so, more beating the course for this one. Lyrically questioning, uh, will they be the same without someone? Uh, loneliness hurts and Bert has many demons related to this. Uh, if it hasn't been half of the songs in their career, sadly. Uh, but if you've read stories on the things that he's gone through and dealt with, understandable so yeah decent track don't hate this one uh could have been on the album i agree um glad it's on the bonus glad we got it but not my favorite so Hmm. yeah i agree it's not a, a top track for me even on the uh the deluxe um still me Operation Me. It's all about me. Uh, Our eighth bonus here, Operation Me. This builds like many classic used tracks with distorted guitars building with drums into a then-driven clean verse. Fun, upbeat song once it finally gets going and a good build into the chorus with their signature dropout again, like I had mentioned I enjoy, uh, before the chorus comes in. Uh, Lyrically describing an operation on his own feelings and broken heart and uh, overall good track. Yeah, I, I agree. It feels, uh, you know, like I said, it's got guitars that kind of growing, that are growing louder, slowly building. Um, feels very album like, um, like something you would hear on an on an album. Very polished. Um, seems like a, a very literal dissection of his uh, feelings that are are discussed, and uh, with a little bit of a guitar solo towards the end, which you don't hear a lot in later used albums. Um, some of that in the earlier stuff. Um, so it was a nice welcome change and yeah i feel like it also could have been one that that could have easily fit on the initial album yeah that is a a valid point too um with this new guitarist who again shout out for tweeting it or uh, liking our our uh, photo on instagram we tweeted you thanking you for that um maybe he's really into soloing you know we don't know yet maybe this is like a testing the waters if you will so yeah, kind of like with some with some forty one, like they had the 
the Brown sound in there, and he had some of that early um, gu- guitar solo stuff. Um, in the initial albums, they went away from that for a couple of years, went more, you know, pop punk. And then when they got him back in the band, they started adding that those layers, the, those kind of metal layers or guitar solos back into their songs. I like what they did, though, and not to get all way off topic, but I like what they did with, um, uh, God, what was the name? Because they had a fake band within Sum 41, their metal version of themselves. Pain for pleasure. Thank you. Uh, which they actually teased in Fat Lip way back in the day when they started getting commercial success. Um, yes. So, like, that was their way of getting away with it. But, yes, yeah, still selling albums to the pop punk skater kids. And, yep. like, because that dude shreds. He shreds. And, yes, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad yep. he's got to showcase that and their most recent stuff. Because he, when he left, he was in a metal band, I believe. Right? Yeah. He did some stuff in between, definitely. And then... When they wanted to embrace that sound again, and then he came back, it was it was nice. It was great to hear them not try to put out songs directly for the radio anymore and just right. put themselves. out uh, the metal stuff that inspired them right. initially. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about them one day. I'd like to do a, a band showcase um, and maybe step into that for a little while. Do like an icons yeah. thing, like our favorite bands and talking about favorite things about them and then highlighting specific albums in a, a quicker fashion than a, a complete yeah. breakdown like this. Maybe that'll be the future of this podcast. Who knows? We had a lot of stuff we could talk about. There's so much music out there that this show could Wait. never end. Literally could never end. Um, but we must continue. Um, so yeah, what was, what was that? As I, I did get off topic, now I got derailed. So that was Operation Me, and then I'll take over Love Heart. Thank you. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so, Love Heart, three minutes fifty two seconds. Um, so this this song basically sounds like he's struggling to balance touring with family life. Um, so, I mean, everyone has had that kind of work home struggle um, song of, of heartache and missing out in on uh, on different basically uh, family moments, watching him through his phone rather than being there in person to experiencing it, uh, to experience it. Um, so yeah, I mean, a song about cherishing family moments kind of when you have them, um, and directly mentions his daughters by name, the overall song, the sound, the, the, the kind of passion in his voice, um, really comes through. And I think, um, I mainly wrote about the lyrics just because again, you can tell he's writing it for his kids, which is, I mean, unheard of really for the used. Um, but it's, it's great because I mean, let's, let's face it. The used has a lot of fans that are having kids or that have kids that are growing up or, you know, that are taking their kids to the used concerts now. Um, and this really speaks to those fans. So, excellent track so this has become a common thing that we reach to in our podcast here we've been reviewing a lot of bands that have been around a while almost all the bands i believe that we've reviewed thus far have had a career preceding the albums we've reviewed meaning they're at i don't want to say the last legs because you never know like rolling stones went on for god knows you know way too long um but like yeah, they're having families. Like the 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 content is changing, it's evolving. But for those without kids, I'm not encouraging with this statement to have children. Do what is best for you. 
if you can, if you can't, you know, obviously many apologies there, but there is something that changes your, you still can have like parents can still be selfish and horrible people. That still is a thing. Um, but for a good chunk of us, you lose a little bit of that. You have to be selfless for another human being that relies on you to survive. And, uh, when it's your offspring, or even if it's not your offspring, when you give that much care and compassion to something, you, you probably become pretty attached, I would say, right? Uh, so yeah. a lot of that's love and passion, and uh, it is conveyed in this track. Uh, so to describe the track, clean guitars resemble early used, especially when the drums come in. Uh, I do like the the feeling of the notes I've heard before on this. Um, very straightforward, and it tells the story, like you had said, being away. You know, from his kids uh, coming home after any references coming home after the war. Uh, so mm-hmm. the war that is trying to make it out there, you know, that's the mm-hmm. battlefields. That's the, 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 the front lines. He's out there grinding every city, every tour, every track, pouring his heart out to make a living to provide for his kids. So they have a better future. Like everyone wants fame and stardom, but you have to sacrifice and surrender something. And he's lost that, this privilege that we have coming home every day from work and being with our families. That is not a privilege he has currently. And he's missing moments. And like you said, viewing it through a phone. That's got to be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, he's got fame. He can do whatever he wants. He's got all the money. Like, some people don't want that. Like he's, yeah. he's That's his job. He wants to make a living and provide. Like, would fame be fantastic? I'm just, Sure it would, but like when you have one thing, as we said earlier, you're always wishing for that other. It doesn't matter. You could have the world. There's something that you will not have and you're always going to crave and want it. So that whole conversation that we opened with is kind of coming full circle here on this particular track. Um, so yeah, this one definitely resonates. Um, I've never been away like that. I've been on vacation away from my kids and it sucks for a week. I can only imagine for months, you know, yeah. it's gotta be tough. So yeah, great. Uh, good song. Um, another one with a rare guitar solo. That's very good. And it exits with the solo behind the chorus as we, you know, build out of this one or digress. So nice track. Love heart. Very good. Could mm-hmm. have been on the album. Yeah. Um, Sing Out of Tune is our 10th of the 11 here, so we're almost done. Um, breakbeat beatboxing, which yeah. I hadn't heard beatboxing in forever. Um, fun fact, I had a song called The Cure that I wrote back circa 2003, 2004-ish, uh, that actually had uh, beatboxing on it, uh, which was kind of popular again back then. And I, it's been a long time since I've heard beatbox, especially in rock music, so... Uh, he had some of this styling early on, too. There was some tracks later throughout the first couple albums, or maybe third-ish album. I can't remember. Yeah, say Lies for the Liars. Yeah. yeah. Some, some some tracks on there where they got a little more experimental. Yep. Um, so it was a nice little nod to stuff that they experimented before making a comeback. Uh, so mm-hmm. this one's a battle, lyrically very poetic. Bert is, again, definitely inspired by poetry and literature. Uh, the Broken Ones, as I mentioned already, is are almost always the ones with the genius souls. Uh, chorus that layers himself 
with layers of himself are sung throughout this track. Uh, and then I said, it's not out of tune, though. That's my, that's my joke, because he didn't actually sing out of tune. Yeah. Your turn. I get it. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, lyrically, uh, like you said, beatbox intro was unusual, but welcomed again i mean they're it's not anything where they they overdo it they they kind of still find their way back to their sound and they don't go too far off the rails um so yeah i mean lyrically it it kind of sounds like they're mentioning you know about uh talking about like passing away um kind of uh you know lift your head um you can see you're not the only one um so a lot of people that are going through struggles or that are kind of letting go of loved ones. Um, then uh, just kind of a song that's relatable to that. And, you know, as you're gone, you can sing out a tune, you can do whatever you want because you don't have someone to annoy, you know, you'll be kind of doing your own thing. So, um, yeah, I like the song. Um, definitely different for them, but uh, but a good song. But I can see um, with it not, being a real theme throughout the um, album, the first, the actual release of the album, you know, why it wasn't included. And it's a little, you know, slower pace for them. Yeah, which we're seeing a lot of the bonus tracks on the slower side, which is fine. Yep. You know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, What's our last one? See You in Hell. Oh, that's rude. Yeah, I mean, probably true. Uh, see you in hell. Three minutes and <laughs> three minutes and fourteen seconds. Um, so this one, I felt like was a, a good kind of culmination of the album. Um, whether it was the B sides or the original album, I felt like it it could have really fit either way. Um, it had some uh, kind of mentioned it before as far as uh, my chemical romance reference, but it had some kind of guitar work, and that kind of reminded me of the Black Parade um, in this song. Very um, cool sound to it. Um, it. It almost sounds like a like an arena rock sound, as we kind of mentioned before. Um, very um, cool. It relates uh, vocally excellent, excellent, lyrically powerful is what I said. Um, kind of recapping relationships and struggles, uh, and again has kind of themes of of death and the end, and um, kind of a, a good closeout track. So whether it was this or the one they actually went with, I felt like. Uh, either one would have been excellent to close out the album with. And yeah, one of their um, better songs, but I can see why if they went with the one that they went with in the first place, um, why this wouldn't make the cut into the album because it's a, it's an excellent song. Um, definitely one of my favorites, but you don't want two closing songs. Right. So, so I can see why they went away from it. Um, and I, and I, I would say I like the uh, initial closer, better but it's like a 1a 1b for me um not not like oh i can definitely see why they went with that because they're both great yeah no i I completely agree um and i think it's fitting i I don't know many bands that have something super heavy ending an album Uh, it's best to digress with something calming to fade out of what was uh, brought in um so another ballad closing this deluxe edition of the album while the other ending track of the original as i noted as well is a better fit so we're on the same page there 
Uh, mm-hmm. This still serves as a great exit. I found hints of the Beatles with layers and the vocal note progression on this track. Specifically, mm. the piano notes and progression makes me think of I Am the Walrus by the Beatles. If you listen to it, the organ specifically. Um, listen to both one after the other. You're going to hear the, the notes of influence. I don't know if it's incidental or, or what, but it's uh it's good it's good a good closer to a overall fantastic album which brings us to our final review out of 10 our final thoughts on this thing it's been an amazing two-hour journey together uh which is actually great timing for 27 tracks our biggest album review to date And I do want to say next week is our Christmas special. I have not listened to it yet, so I have another task in front of me. But fortunately, it is much shorter and hopefully a lot more jolly. uh, Because it is is the Christmas album by Newfound Glory. That will be our next review. And that is, uh, I believe, next week, Monday? If you can make that date? Yeah, Monday or Tuesday, something like that. Okay. I'll just double check. Yes, please (laughs) check. Let me know which day works for you. So... um, Either one, but Tuesday yeah, I know, not, I know what you said. Because Tuesday is our um, podcast with Cody, so it either okay. be Monday or Wednesday next week, whichever yep. works best. It's Monday. Monday. Perfect. So next week, Monday, Newfound Glory Christmas album. I believe there's only 10 or 11 tracks, so much shorter review. Uh, we will be, if you want to participate, this is available on Amazon. Let me know. I'll send you the link. But for donations, we'll specify the amount. We're doing the being boozled during Christmas week. I'm doing it for all shows, but next week, if you want to be involved and I'll do the same for uh, Rob on his show on Wednesday. And then Cody has already purchased his for Tuesday. He wants to be involved. Um, so for certain donations to the channel, uh, being boozled fiery five challenge. It includes jalapeno, sriracha, cayenne, habanero, and Carolina Reaper, Carolina Reaper. Uh, Sounds incredible. Beans. And then I also have Atomic Warheads for smaller donations. And we will spin the Wheel of Death during that show. So that'll be interesting trying to do a review while not dying. So, I mean, I, those all sound just really good to me. <laughs> okay, I'll send you the link if you want to partake. So, In fact, um, let me do that right now. And if you want to go first, I generally have gone first in my closing. So uh, I'll give you the. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll close first. Sounds like you've got a lot more uh, written than I do. I do. So, um, so yeah, I'll go ahead. So um, for me, uh, I said I appreciate the growth of this band um, throughout the years. Um, they really hit mainstream radio with their first album briefly, second album um, uh, a ton. I mean, and it's for me the one i had on repeat the most i'm definitely in love and death and then um third uh basically kind of went over the top with radio pop they've kind of stepped into politics a bit um and kind of constantly evolved so i definitely um have been a fan for for years finally got a chance to see them um i feel like one thing that they've kept consistent throughout their albums is they know how to connect with their fans and um and basically kind of hits home with uh, a lot of their stuff. Um, even the B-sides of this album are, you know, just excellent or 
um, emotionally evolved. Um, I felt like some of their earlier stuff was more, um, you know, I guess emo or on the like angry side of it. Um, but now they're getting more complex and, you know, developing songs. Again, they're talking about their children um, or relationships or songs on this album um, that are relating to, you know, hating songs that are reminding you of relationships. Um, I feel like this album just has so much to offer as far as the variety of sound from start to finish and great features aside from the one that we mentioned. Um, and uh, for me, that, led me to rate it 10 out of 10 whoa i was off i said eight or nine for you but that's all right a 10 out of 10 a perfect album impressive yeah impressive all right let's see if i agree i mean it's definitely one of those ones like you said before where where you've got songs that'll get into your playlist that you'll repeat over and over and over again and that's i mean most of at least the original album and several of the B-sides for me. And it's extremely rare for me to say that about any band, especially when you have a band like the U's that's been around for this long. And if you would have told me that I'd like an album more than In Love and Death, I I wouldn't have believed it. Um, Just because I still love that album front to back. And now, you know, almost 20 years later, they're putting out just excellent stuff. Yeah, that I mean, you mentioned that. Let me uh, pull that album up because, like, that one has. Let's see that that album has my favorite track by the Used. I have an absolute favorite song by them, and it's on that album. Lunacy Fringe. It is Lunacy Fringe. <laughs> that was amazing. a guess. Honestly, yeah. that's because it's not one of their hits from that album, right? But it it's also mine. Is that really? That's that's yeah. funny as hell. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I just threw it out there because I was thinking, yeah, he's not going to go for all that I've got. No, or, no, that's yeah. a good song, but which is great. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. That is that's really funny. Um, Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was I'm just looking at the other ones too because there's so many uh, that are good from that. We almost use a song by them too uh, for our wedding song, and that was from Lies and the Liars. Uh, okay. I don't know if it was a joke or if she was serious about it, but I was, you know, I was, I, I was, we could have. Uh, and that's Smother Me. Okay. So it's a fun ballad that's pretty dark, but I was like, yeah, it kind of fits us. We ended up going, obviously, hey. with Panic at the Disco instead. So, Hey, we went dark. What did you we went. I, we went literally dark. I will follow you into the dark. Oh, okay. <laughs> By Death Cab. Yeah, Death Cab. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's a damn good song. So... As you know, I am a difficult critic for whatever reason. I'm harsh. Uh, do I also agree with your 10 out of 10 sentiment and statement here? Uh, almost 20 years of being a fan of a band is not something that is easily accomplished. Being a fan of anything that long is no easy task. There are only a small handful of bands during my lifetime that have resonated with me the way this band has. While they have gone through some changes, uh, even in their lineup, they haven't had, they've had an important constant in their music, and that is emotion. Not only do you feel them in every lyric, but you find a way, but they find a way to convey emotion in every single note they play too. Now for this album of heartwork, originally this album came out in 2020 when the world was basically going to shit. 
even worse than it's normal going to shit. A pandemic was affecting us all in ways we didn't even know was possible yet. And even though we are still attempting to get through a, some of our darkest and difficult moments of it, uh, we had this album. Um, moments of escape are important, and many of us find that in movies, literature, and gaming. Especially for this channel here, that's what we convey. We provide an escape for so many of you guys listening to any of our podcasts and your gaming. For the wrestling show out there, we provide escape in this dark and horrible world that can be presented to you. Uh, for me, while I do, do enjoy all these escapes, music has been my refuge. It has gotten me through some of my darkest moments and left me with inspiration. And music is a friend that I always had at my side and uh, the words I often needed in my ears. Knowing someone out there is sharing either thoughts of good or bad and gifting us with these experiences they went through are the things that have kept me personally going. So Burt manages to find a way with every album to convey his darkest thoughts and share them with us. Heartwork captures even more things we did not know we needed from him. His lyrics accompanied by the amazing music on these tracks hopefully have helped many of us throughout this pandemic. And uh, since the release of this album, hopefully have you know helped out more people that didn't know they were, they were helped. Uh, this deluxe edition now adds even more tracks to an already incredible album and delivers an emotional journey for our mind and ears. And my only complaints would be just some of the notes of familiarity being too familiar on some of the tracks, which makes sense why they did. Um, but if you ever listen to this band, if you've never listened to this band, I'm sorry, I highly recommend it. They are the glue holding post-hardcore and alternative alive today. They are the glue of this genre. Fight me. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I give it a 9 out of 10. I would All give right. it a 9.5 if we were doing half points too. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, Here's the thing. I don't disagree with your 10 out of 10. But once I give a 10 out of 10, where do I go from there? What if something is better than Heartwork? Do I also just give it a 10 out of 10? I don't know. So, a damn near perfect album. <laughs> it's it's very well very well put together. I'm happy with the deluxe edition too. Because a lot of times they're like, here's some live tracks. Here's some just crappy extras. Yeah. That wasn't the case, like you said. So, um... Yeah, it, you, you just need to, Batman says a 10.5 would be the next one up, no. Uh, yes, Batman, go through the rest of the album if you can. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know how familiar you are with the band. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this. I had fun reviewing this. I think this was a, a great pick. Uh, I believe this was your pick, right? Yeah. I mean, initially when it came out, we weren't doing this, and then I saw that they were doing the deluxe and I already had the initial album on repeat quite a bit. Um, so I was really excited to see what the deluxe would bring to it. And again, like we discussed thematically, I see why they didn't go with several of the tracks um, and that B side, but I don't feel like there are any of them where I went. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there was maybe one on the first on the complete album. And then like one on the B sides where we went, yeah, this is okay. Which it's rare because I mean one of those that we did in the the first the complete album was an interlude, which you know, and then you know one was probably the the Travis Barker one. So yeah, yeah. I mean, for that many to be consistently rotating for me, 
And like I said, with clean cut, clean cut heels, like that's just one where I've never listened to a you song that's like made me want to move like that, which yeah. is it, just it's totally different. So totally different feeling to, you know, listen to the used and get, you know, like in the headspace that I would get when listening to like Matt and Kim or, you know, something that's more upbeat or more poppy. And they they really brought it with that and kept their original sound while developing all kinds of cool production sounds that that made this album so great yeah when this dropped it was heavy in rotation in my headphones um back in 2020 when the initial album dropped uh it was the perfect length that i could finish this album while mowing my lawn back when i was mowing my lawn before we moved to a new house uh so it was that perfect length and it was heavily in rotation i listened to the you could ask uh lana who often gets to hear my stuff in rotation unfortunately for her for some of it um because she doesn't align with all my music tastes but you know um this was in heavy rotation this album was definitely in heavy rotation for recent releases so yeah you are one of those professors i agree andrea yeah she did say uh she says i'm one of the professors that say they'll never give a's and it did, did get an a nine out of ten that's an a it's not an a plus. yeah it's an a minus oh, it's still an a like geez <laughs> there's always room to grow <laughs> but for real um how does in love and death score for you you know off the top of my head i don't know that'd be unfair because i'd have nostalgia goggles on right yeah so i would say probably nine or ten as well without going track by track i mean it has the favorite track mm -hmm. of theirs you know for me so i don't know it probably definitely a nine right but that's when nostalgia you know I mean now so oh man Batman's are there any plus are there any albums that stick out? Are there any 10? albums that are a perfect ten? They exist. They do exist. Um, I'll find you just them. have to revisit them and make sure. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't want to say it and then be like, you know what? Now that's track. Oh awesome. man. So they exist. There are tens out there. I don't know how. Many. All right. <laughs> I don't, Can't I don't pull know. one out of you, huh? I, you know, no. Here's the thing, because like even in like historical albums that have done well. Like, I'm a big fan of Metallica, right? They've had mm -hmm. some controversy albums in their time. Uh, for a lot of people, they would say Injustice for All, the Black Album, right? Those are the, the albums that define a band, right? Those are generally like, like The Wall, Pink Floyd. We're talking about albums that, you know, define them. Um, even stuff like that, like the Black Album by Metallica, I wouldn't give a 10. There's some stuff on there I don't like. Hmm. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's an album front to back that is a perfect 10. They do exist, I'm sure. I would just have to die for it. Hmm. Like, I don't know. Name a band right now. I could tell you, like, some of the albums. Because I'm curious. For me, what would be, like, a 10 out of 10? Lana says I'm non-committal. Well, sure, for you. But, like, even Blink-182. We both love Blink-182, right? Uh, even yeah. their self-titled album, which is, in my opinion, their best album. Even mm -hmm. that's, like, an 8 or a 9 out of 10. Because there's stuff on that that I don't like. Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with that. Like, I I love Blink. I, you know, seen him a couple times, and um, but yeah, there. But for me, um, you know, like you said, they had a they had a so, ton of songs on the radio, but there there isn't an album of theirs that sticks out as a ten out of ten for me. But like for other bands, like you know, I definitely have that where I would literally play every track. Um, so I'm just surprised that there's not one that that sticks out for you i'm trying hard to get this 10 out of you i'm a for harsh some... critic there's something out there 
I just can't think of it off the top of my head. It might be a Fallout Boy album, to be honest with you. Either Fallout okay. Boy or Incubus or something. Like, but even that, I, like Grave maybe. or Under the Cork Tree. <sighs> you know, it better not be anything past that. <laughs> why? What's wrong with the stuff post that? Foliad Duo is really good. Another discussion. <laughs> all right. Um, it exists. All right, it exists. Like I, I enjoy Panic at the Disco, and I don't think they have a ten out of ten album. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like really, like what I, I, I'm drawing a blank here. I can't pick a ten out right now. In all honesty, I could pick tracks by artists and put an album together of my favorite songs and call it, you know. Here are 12 songs uh-huh. and it's a 10 out of 10. Anybody could do that, especially if you have an expansive catalog. Um, but a yeah. solid album front to back. Um, uh, now there's a maybe. There is a maybe. All right. What's your maybe? Um, quite possibly Morning View by Incubus. Okay. That might be a perfect 10 album front to back. All right. Because I love Science by them, their early work, but I don't think that's a 10 out of 10. Uh, and okay. make yourself. I don't think that's a ten out of ten. It's a nine out of ten, probably. I don't know though. Don't call me on this either, because I'm gonna have to review that album one day, maybe. Lana says Morning View, so that yeah. might be the one. I don't know. There could be others. I guess for listeners, if we have any more, you're gonna stick around and listen to us as we uh, keep doing these. If you enjoy the content. Um, because we're going to be doing this still once a month. And uh, who knows what albums we're going to grab now. I know we want to try to stick to new releases, but now mm-hmm. you got me curious for what you have in your back pocket as far as what mm. you you know consider 10 out of 10s. So is this our hunt now? Are we finding the perfect album? Well, yeah. I mean, the perfect album is going to be perfect for different people right, i mean like you, you might pick a metallica album and i go oh no i'm not gonna pick um, a metallica album i'll be honest with you i love metallica but there's right no, there's not a 10 out of 10 metallica album in, there. but there are bands that have had like uh not like a staying power but have put out just fantastic albums front to back um that have only put out two or three albums or you know one um like i, I mean that wouldn't say this is a 10 out of 10 just going from history, but let's say like Boston, right? You know, like there's so many hits off their, their album. Um, so it's like, yeah, but I mean, uh, but I'm just saying like, yeah, I'm just surprised you don't have one. I mean, you got, you've given me incubus and saying that's maybe, you know, you're not still a lot of bands like fall boy. I'll listen to them front and back and enjoy it. But is it a 10 out of 10? Probably not. Just because I thoroughly enjoy something doesn't mean it's a perfect album. That just means Mm -hmm. it's a guilty pleasure. So I sometimes have to separate, you know, being too subjective, I guess. I don't know. And not enough. Lana says, commit this to memory. Would you give that a 10 out of 10? Uh, no. Yeah, see. And you hold that fondly in your heart. I do. Um, but there are mm, two tracks on there that I I, I could pass on. Um, so, yeah, like, like for me, um, yeah, because, I mean... She obviously, we've had chats about Motion City and mm-hmm. other bands that I like, and and uh, you know, even some Forty One. I'm trying to think, you know, like Weezer. There, there's a well, okay. So I've, I've got one for Weezer, but um, which but, one? The Blue Album? 
Uh, no, Pinkerton. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. That makes sense. Yeah, I should have known. So, that. but yeah, um, honestly, I don't think that there is a Motion City album that I would give a 10 out of 10, but they're see, the band I listen to the most. Right. See how difficult this is? Because you would think no. as a band that you absolutely adore, you would give a 10 out of 10. Like another one of my favorite bands is Nine Inch Nails. Would I give any of their albums a 10 out of 10? Probably not. Hmm. And like the Fragile is one of the most important albums to me as far as uh, like creating music content. Uh, and we talk about emotion. Uh, the Fragile, their their two disc, their two A and B album of that. Um, that's damn near perfect. But is it a ten out of ten? No. So hmm. I don't know. This this will be a a fun thing if we want to change course here instead of just reviewing. Um, recent releases I don't, I don't really care what course we go whatever interests you guys the listeners yeah. and what appeals to us we'll just kind of pick and we're still going to alternate turns so january will be uh me and then we'll go back to you in february so i'll have to look up and see what is coming out or his recent release or i'll just pull something out that i want you to check out maybe like simple creatures i know it's a few right. years old now but um, mm-hmm. ultimately that's our challenge too is I wanted to do this because I wanted to turn you on to new music and you the same with me. And then we mm-hmm. also wanted to continue to discover new music and I don't want to let that ever stop in my life. I don't want to ever not continue to discover music. So this yeah. podcast isn't forcing me to continue to discover music, but uh, it, it's forcing me to think more deeply about what I'm listening to. A great example of that was a throwback to our 21 pilots review. I learned so much in that episode that I didn't know existed. And I, I look at them and listen to them very differently now. Yeah. And I still love that band. So they don't have a 10 out of 10 album though. I agree. <laughs> um, But yeah, I don't know. That's all I have for this. This, this was a fun conversation uh, and an even more fun album for you to listen to. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, quite possibly you've already listened to the album, but if you haven't, do give it a, ch- a listen. Check it out. It's available on streaming platforms. You can probably find it for free on YouTube. I don't know about the deluxe edition. I'm assuming you probably could. Um, it is on Spotify. It's how I listened. You could probably find it on other digital music platforms. And if they still sell and if you still buy physical copies, I'm sure they have it printed on compact disc or, I don't know, probably not cassette, but vinyl, maybe. I don't know. They have the they have the full initial album on vinyl and not the deluxe that I'm aware of yet. So there you go. If you're a vinyl collector, get this one. But that's for it. sure. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, Newfound Glory Christmas special. You and I, J Man, that's going down. Also next week we have our annual DNA regular Christmas special. Cody and I are facing off. With 32 picks from me, 32 picks from him, we're determining the greatest video game of all time in a bracket challenge. That'll be interesting. And may my game win. It will. Because I already know it is the greatest game. There's no debating that. Then next week, Wednesday, we have the top 10 Christmas movies of all time. If you guys like Christmas movies and want to help us build a list, Tune in during that show. Again, that's next Wednesday night. Me and I, Rob, are going to build that Christmas movie list. And uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Of course. 
There you go. So it's eligible for the list. I already know my favorite Christmas movie. So will it be our number one together though? I don't know what his favorite movies are. So yeah, my, uh, my unpopular opinion is jingle all the way. That's a good and one. I know, and I know that's not number one for many people, but for me, wow. that's my winner. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's not my number one though. Mine is, I guess, I guess you'll have to see. I guess so. Um, and then of course this week Thursday and next Thursday we have NAW. If you like wrestling, that's the place to be on Wednesday or Thursday nights. So tune in for that. Our Christmas special for NAW is next week Thursday. We have a normal episode this week, and that pretty much will bring us up to the holiday here in the states and. Uh, for most places that celebrate. So thank you, Justin, for being on another episode. I think this Oops. was awesome. And again, check out Heartwork by the used, available now, deluxe edition. Hopefully we made a new fan out there somewhere. So hopefully. But until next time, you guys have a safe time wherever you may be in this world. And Justin and I will see you at our Christmas special again for newfound glory. Oh boy, I can't wait. I have not mostly new tracks. Is it mostly new? I think they have one cover. Oh, interesting. It's not yeah. an album of I covers. Know. Not what you'd think. So Okay, well, I am prepared for that now. So <laughs> or not. I don't know. I'm scared. But good night, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.